across the galaxy. This is where conspiracy on the wild side meets the perspective of a lifetime. This is the Free Zone with your host, Freeman. Hello and welcome to the Free Zone. Well, we're looking at a crazy world coming our way, and I think that uh, part of our biggest problem that we really don't see is the culture war of language that is going on around us. Are we being dumbed down? <laughs> you better believe it. And uh, with so much coming our way with AI and everything taking over, uh, keeping your linguistic territory safe is, is a critical ingredient. So today we're going to talk with Danny Katz. She's, of course, the author of Word Up, but she's equal parts thought leader, trailblazer, and word wizard. Danny Katz is a catalyst for evolution. Whether writing, teaching, coaching, or podcasting, Danny has a fierce heart, as you're going to see. Uh, she's a visionary thinker with an uber expanded perspective. Katz has devoted her career to empowering leaders, disruptors, and rebel badasses like all of you. So let's get deep into our culture war and realize that language shapes life. Hey, welcome to the Free Zone, Danny. Hey, Freeman. Thanks so much for having me back. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's always fun to talk with you. Yeah. Even though the topics are are dastardly, you know, nefarious and evil at times. But, uh, you know, if we don't stand our ground, if we don't pick our battles, if we don't stand up, uh, tyranny wins easy and quick and everybody thinks that they're they're fighting the good fight and they're being guided down this road into a hellish technocratic communist uh patharchy that's a new word for me patharchy these psych psychos right Ooh, i like that patharchy <laughs> yeah i just came across that yeah when yeah, yeah, I'm just starting to realize because as and I think I've said this on your show before, but this is my first global apocalypse. So I'm figuring it out as I go. But <laughs> you you just said like everyone thinks they're fighting the good fight. And then I'm thinking of all the people who aren't fighting at all and are just like bowing out and wanting to keep the peace. And what I'm realizing more and more is that that's fueling and feeding the tyranny. Like if we are not safeguarding the linguistic territory consistently moment to moment, um, then tyranny is gaining more and more ground. So I've, I'm becoming less and less tolerant of and quiet about people's silence or people acquiescing, acquiescing or compromising their truth just to be liked or get along or not deal with the hassle like that's not really working for where we're at right now in this you know giant sham show no doubt yeah yeah too much allowance and they've even weaponized compassion you know I, we saw that in covid where everybody was doing oh, i'm doing this for grandma and i'm gonna take this uh experimental shot and alter my dna and <laughs> throw in all the things that they put in there and become a cyborg uh, zombie on October 4th, you know, <laughs> not that <I> that's <laughs> going to happen, but you know, it could, right. You know, but it was weaponized compassion that got everybody to go ahead and take that vaccine or genetic therapy. A hundred percent. And it's, I think it's this, that same compassion that's, you know, pushing the culture war in a direction that I personally don't want to go because I see so many people who are, they don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? So if someone says, oh, that word hurt my feelings, from, from a genuinely kind heart, people are showing up to defend in the name of like inclusivity or equality or whatever it is and not realizing like every time they seek to inhibit speech to save someone else's feelings, we've just lost more freedom like it's it, straight up you know it, it's one or the other freedom or tyranny so anytime you're imposing limits on speech uh we're losing freedom and i'm seeing that happen out of the goodness of people's hearts at the you know combined with codependent people pleasing tendencies and the unwillingness to say like if you know the wrong pronoun hurts your feelings then maybe you have some work to do on yourself before engaging with the public well, let's, let's be clear. Inclusivity means no white people, right? Right. And no freedom of thought, 
like, I mean, I recently stepped into a spiritual container and all of a sudden there are all these rules and I've been in this, you know, container for many, many years. And now it's like, well, don't use ableist language and don't use culturally insensitive language and don't use profanity. And it's like, you know, the laundry list is getting longer and longer and longer. And it's more and more complexity of listing all the things we're not allowed to do and the people we're supposed to include. And it's like, have we forgotten about the concept of personal responsibility and the fact that this is a cold, cruel world? And maybe we don't need to be fostering more thin-skinned emotional retardation. Well, they, they get the strength out of it. You know, the, the narcissism of victimhood. They get the strength out of this. They... They, they, they're proud victims. Right, right. And I think it's like, I mean, the, the victim culture is so unfortunate on so many levels, but it like, it allows people to feel special. It allows people to feel accepted, but it also, you know, it, everything revolves around them. You know, like I make a random comment about life itself and then someone decides that I've just insulted you know, take your pick, trans people, gay people, black people, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I'm not even talking about those things, but that victim consciousness is like front and center in everyone else's story or movie. And it's very annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really is. It gets frustrating. And, and to watch the maladaptive daydreaming, if you guys look that up, maladaptive daydreaming, it's where you just make up stories in your head that are then you believe are true. And then you act as if this is all true. And wars start this way. I have watched where, uh, you know, a miscommunication or, uh, you know, say, say the woman of the king, the queen, she, she thinks something's going on. So she feeds some uh, words into the king's ear, uh, making him think everybody's turning against him when it was all a miscommunication, a misappropriation. Uh, misinformation on all of it and then you know wars begin over these miscommunications so if people don't think these are important it's really at the heart of everything it is at the heart of everything and i so appreciate you saying that because we're not in a kinetic war but we are in a war um and the the territory is language and the territory is culture and so every time we acquiesce to this narcissistic victimhood, um, we're giving up the territory. And and wars, I mean, this war is being lost this way. Like if, if you see the shit that's coming out of these politicians' mouths and the way that they'll twist like objective reality and, you know, just like, you know, the don't say gay, that nonsense happening in Florida where it's like, they twist it into an anti-gay stance where it's like, no, just because we don't want to create a privileged class and indoctrinate children into, you know, conversations that they're not necessarily mature enough to be having doesn't translate into an anti-stance. And that's that narcissism where it's like, if I'm not on board with sending my kindergartner to drag queen story hour, that doesn't make me transphobic. It's you're not front and center of my story. It just means I don't think this is appropriate for my child right now. Um, and so many of these antis that a lot of people, you know, aligning with the left are positioning themselves to like fight against. There's no anti sentiment at all. But the more they um, play this game and this, these theatrics, it certainly creates them, right? Because it creates resentment from people who don't want to be policed or micromanaged. So that's the frustrating thing. Like we're seeing it even in the, you know, the bullshit race baiting conversation that Obama Inc. started back in 2013. Like I'm seeing more racism than I've experienced in my lifetime only now as a reaction to the racism that has been projected into our culture that I personally don't believe was really there before they, you know, Black Lives Matter and and all the other stuff was, you know, emerged, was planned, you know, however we want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Racism was making leaps and bounds and, and disappearing. And it showed in the fact that how many people backed Barack Obama if any of that's true, <laughs> but, you know, people, the world was excited about a black president. There wasn't any racism involved. It was, uh, you know, it was pretty clear right then and there. 
And, you know, uh, but yes, the, it has been turned around, turned back in. And of course, we're looking now staring down civil war. I got to kind of giggle a little bit about uh, what happened the other day. I think it was either I think it was New York or Philadelphia. I'm not sure, you know, and they both are well, New York's underwater. So who knows? Right. <laughs> um, but these is this gang of, of black kids broke into an iPhone store and they they stole all these iPhones come running out with five, six of them stacked up in their hands. And then all of a sudden, at the same moment, all the phones start beeping and they tell the people the phones uh, show them a message saying, hey, we we know this phone is stolen. It is being tracked and you're being videoed right at this moment. And what? One of the girls that was the thief and she's all excited, you know, she's got her phone with everybody. They're all standing out there and these alarms go off. And now all of a sudden they're looking at their phones like, oh, my God. And they start throwing them down and smashing them on the ground. And uh, but they all got videoed. And this one girl that was a YouTube person, uh, you know, she got six felony charges because oh! uh, they were all. But this spoke to me on so many different levels. I mean, one that the programming of yeah you are a victim so you're allowed to go rob these stores we've been seeing that all over the place so they felt entitled to go in there and steal all the iphones but then the other layer of it the fact that these iphones and these ball and chains that we carry around these weapons of mass destruction uh tracking you and device you know it it showed all of that as well where they could just turn you off photograph you and come and arrest you right at that moment while you're holding that phone in your hand you know i know this could be over so quickly if we were willing to give up our devices i i'm in the practice of i don't take my phone out in public with me and i refuse any two-factor authorization that's going to enslave me to the phone and i don't know if they just turned the dial up on the techno fascist psyop but that's getting harder and harder um you know going to like a food truck and the whole menu you know is a qr code thing and i'm like can i just have a printed piece of paper and um it's frustrating seeing people like willingly avail themselves to this trajectory um, without any foresight as to where it's going to go. Like, it is not my responsibility as a United States citizen to have an iPhone or a smartphone. I don't have to do that. Um, But they're making it harder and harder to live without those things. So, I mean, it was so interesting, this story that you shared. Um, I'm glad that she got six felony counts. I mean, it's insane that they're trying to equate this smash and grab with reparations. And the whole reparations conversation is annoying to me anyway, because no one alive owned slaves or was a slave in this country. So, and it's like, well, what about the Japanese people who were interred? What about the Jews? You know, are they, you know, the Japanese and the Jews supposed to pay reparations? Like, again, it goes back to this complexity of like, if we're all going to play the oppression Olympics game, um, that's like a massive complex distraction that pulls everyone not only out of their own personal responsibility, but like an awareness of the larger nefarious takeover that's going on right underneath our noses while we're busy dithering about, you know, Russell Brand's sex life. Yes. Yes. And it creates the civil war. It creates the race war, all the things that they need to to get going so that we're not fighting them. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just so, bum that people are taking the bait, you know, like I was just, I just started teaching my um, pop propaganda homeschool class. And when I was preparing to start, I was looking at old, um, do you remember free to be you and me? Did you grow up with that? No. So free to be you and me was, it was an album and it was a book. And then they made a television special about it. And so I was watching the television show and you have, you know, black people, white people, Latino people, like you have everything. And it was like, well, this is what Gen X was brought up with. So I don't understand why we're still having this conversation about representation 50 years later when like we've had it, we've had it the whole time. Yeah. I watched Sesame street and electric company. I mean, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Gordon and Morgan Freeman. And like, they were all part of our upbringing. Absolutely. Yeah, this was squashed. It really was done. And I do believe, like you were saying, that Obama Inc. brought it back on intentionally. And 
set this all up. But as we're looking at like the culture war and how language shapes life, I was I was kind of envisioning what uh, a future anthropologist might find if he was hunting around and he found a phone from 2023 and there were some texts on it. So I wrote down what what I what I see being said as as positive uh, language in in 2023. So this is just a little three sentence thing that I put together here of future talk. So okay. uh, anthropologist finds the phone, he picks it up and he reads that was fucking sick. So he's thinking, hmm, you know, is this person dying? Yeah, he's like the shit. Man, this guy must really have it bad. Dead ass. Oh, yep, he's done for. But all of that's actually positive. That's, you know, that was the fucking shit. Yeah, he's like the shit. Yeah, badass. He's sick. <laughs> or dead ass. <laughs> you know, that's that's current language right now for positive influence. I know. It's like these inversions have been inserted as part of the demoralization campaign like not just to to speak to that kind of upside down clown world, satanic, down is up, left is right, you know, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, but also to normalize things like death, like sickness. Think of bomb, you know, like how's your cheesecake? Oh, it's bomb. And it's like, that's actually an implement of mass murder, but it desensitizes us to the reality of these weapons you know how do you do on stage last night i i killed um you know yeah. it's it's all so deliberate and and i get less and less tolerant of the the slow social engineering you know towards you know darker and um more low vibration frequencies and how willingly we just go along with it <laughs> Yeah, fight for it even. I mean, you know, when they were trying to come out with the Ebonics Dictionary, I mean, people were proud of Ebonics. They they want to keep the slave speak. And I mean, we saw it not just to go on the black side, but also in, in the Valley Girl and the like, 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 and oh my God, they're about killed me. Oh my God, you know, and- <laughs> Guilty, I'm so guilty. I'm that girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, we couldn't help it. You know, it's part of the culture and then it becomes part of you. And then you don't want that's why they're having in, in colleges uh, anti-white uh, gatherings, you know, where where black people are segregating themselves because they find the way. But white people speak to be offensive. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've it's had this not conversation. Even offensive, right. It's like threatening. I, I can't think of the right word. I think it's just different. It's like. I'm, I'm of both minds on this. I do think there's something to refined speech patterns. You know, I grew up admiring Diane Sawyer and, you know, the dignity with which she held herself in that position. And there's an aspect of me that's happy that I found a way to maintain my creative free freedom, to continue to have a voice by doing it on, on my own in the ways that I do it. And then when I see or hear glimpses of myself speaking on camera, I kind of wish I had a producer who was nudging me to be more refined and to lose the likes and to, you know, round out my vocal intonations. So it's, you know, I see the downsides of going rogue. And at the same time, I can also see like, well, why not, you know, embrace a more expansive inclusivity in terms of local regional dialects and not everyone has to sound like they went to an ivy league university you know i see all sides of it for sure but i also see this demoralization and the lowering the bar and the you know more and more acceptance for mediocrity i'm not down with that yeah and you know, language, as you say, uh, does shape life. So when we look at the different romantic languages like uh, French and Italian and yeah, we, we, you, you've got to put on this attitude if you're going to speak with the French, uh, you know, je parle français, you know, and, and it's got a lot of attitude and it's got a lot of feeling and uh that that is part of who you are like that that develops who you are you can't just go to france and speak like an american and in, in french you know just we 
uh, you know, whatever. It just it doesn't work. You got to have the accent. You got to have the, the the feel of it all. And right. all around the world that, you know, has created the cultures that exist is the very language. And, you know, uh, English was a a determined language created by the invisible college to be the language of money. I mean, we're, there's a reason we're so monotonous and boring in our speech, you know, because it's a boring language. It was engineered almost robotically. Uh, but yet, you know, there's not. But if you get me into a black community and everybody's speaking with Ebonics, I'm I start to pick up the attitude. There's no way I can avoid it. I do that as well. I'm I'm very and it's not intentional. I just pick up accents. And when I when I first went to college, um, both of my freshman year dorm roommates were black. And so you know what it's like. You start college as a freshman. It's like okay, well, I went to parties with them and I went to events with them. So very organically, that became my world and my community. And I started to pick up those speech patterns. And then, of course, there would be the pushback around the speech patterns. And it's just like, you can put me, you know, in Spain, in Morocco, in China. I'm going to pick up the accents wherever I am. I'm not trying to, like, front as though I'm something. It's just, you know, we do that as humans. Exactly. Well, you've got a brand new book coming out, uh, The Language of Betterarchy. Yeah, it came out last week. All right. Uh, yes. Tell us so, about it. so the language of betterarchy, um, and the subtitle is A Blueprint for Uniting Against Tyranny. I started writing this book in 2018, back when I was still living in Los Angeles, and I was shocked by this emerging social justice movement and how punitive and vengeful it was. And I was shocked to see my friends who I'd always thought of as progressive and awakened and heart-centered being really mean and like shitting on men and this sort of self-flagellating for, you know, not having enough melanin and all that stuff. And I just thought like, this is very dangerous. This is not, this isn't sustainable and this is not a solution. Like to kick men to the curb and hate them and wish terrible things about them is not progress. And if this is our way of like moving to the top of the food chain, so to speak, then I think we need to figure out a better way. Like then the system itself is kind of bunk. So I started to hone in and, you know, the patriarchy conversation was always very boring to me um, because we've all been, been, um, sold a bum deal with patriarchy, right? Like patriarchy is not just dudes on top. It's a lens of perception. It's a way of demonizing emotion and intuition and those feminine polarities um, more so than like embodied people with penises and vaginas. So that conversation was really boring to me. So I, I turned my attention on to hierarchy and I just started to see the world through the lens of hierarchy and realized this is actually our issue. The fact that we're dealing with an organizational structure that needs there to be losers for there to be winners is the problem. And we're always going to have the same inequities, the same resentment, um, like all of the same problems, regardless of who's in pole position, because the whole structure is stupid and antiquated and really begging for an overhaul. So I spent like way too many months with all these like Latin dictionaries, like looking for like, what is the right archy we need? Is it synarchy? Is it panarchy? Is it this or is it that? And after like three months of wasting this time, I realized like, I'm just going to call it better archy as kind of like a, a placeholder and let the language you know, and what emerges out of the upgraded language show us what it wants to be. So in this book, I definitively take down woke culture and all these attempts being made to even out the playing field by putting those who used to occupy top rung positions at the bottom and putting those who used to occupy positions at the bottom at the top, all of that is thrown aside. And I I take a lot of time in this book to like really deconstruct why that does not work um, and is not a solution. And then I attune us to hierarchy and how hierarchy is sustained through language. And so I pinpoint the 10 precepts of hierarchical language so that we can start to clue in 
as to the codes in our speech patterns that are sustaining the same inequities and disempowerment that we've all been living through um, and that we all want to get to the other side of, but um, haven't yet found the right solution. And so I propose that by ceasing to speak hierarchy and by choosing instead to speak what I'm calling betterarchy, that we will naturally and gracefully and easily create a new system because what emerges from language that is coded with frequencies of genuine empowerment and equality and abundance and peace, the world will necessarily reflect those qualities because language is what creates reality. So that's the basic gist. All right. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> it was, that- it was, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. It was interesting writing it um, from 2015 to 2022, when which was when I finished it, because you know, COVID kind of threw a wrench in it. I, I needed to take a step away of like, whoa, I didn't see this coming, um, and how does this affect the book? So I kind of needed to step back and reorganize. And I, what I ultimately decided to do was like, let's just stick with the the man woman divide because I have tits and two X chromosomes. And according to like the thought police, I'm quote unquote allowed to talk about that. So the book hinges on that, um, you know, kind of the gender divide, but it can be applied to any sort of inequity, be it, you know, sexual preference, race, religion, what have you. I could see where that would be going. And uh, it, it would be amazing if uh, people were seeking solutions in, in all of this. But like you were showing, uh, mostly we've got victims and then silent people. Totally. Yeah, it's why the victim chapter in my book is like three times as long as all the other chapters, because it's such a pox upon our culture right now. And because it's being so culturally sanctioned, you know, from the highest levels of, again, quote unquote, leadership. Um, Our current culture is really going the distance to prop up victim culture. And it's so easy to fall into, you know, I myself, to this day, I'm still transmuting the tendency to dip into that. Of course, you know, I think we all have remnants. Um, but there's no such thing as an empowered victim. You know, we're either empowered reality creators or we're victims and it's the two don't, don't coexist. Um, and for me, it just feels like way more fun to consciously create my light, my life as I choose, instead of having an excuse for why my life sucks and getting, you know, like social credit for that. There's, that doesn't translate to like a fun lived experience. It's just this abstraction that doesn't do anyone any good except the fucktard oligarchs in charge. Right. So people want to give the power to the hierarchy, but then they say the hierarchy is bad. And so we want to put the bottom of the hierarchy on the top, but but we want to keep the hierarchy. We just want those people in charge now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's also like every, you know, truther who I thought knew better, who thinks, RFK is going to save them. <laughs> you know, it's like, have we learned nothing? No one is going to save us. The system doesn't give a fuck about us. When are we going to stand up for ourselves? Yeah, they are literally culling us and transforming us, you know, transgeneticing us. And uh, yeah, you know, they, they've, uh, we, they've stolen the word trans away from everything. And, and yet... You know, they are transitioning us without a doubt. We're using transgenic food. I mean, they're trying to grow food, vegetables that have uh, transgenic edible vaccines in them. Oh! Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. That's been around and you know, will it come out? So, yeah, I mean, the whole language of it gets lost in everything and all of this. And then, yeah, I mean. I don't know. When I look around and I see Joe Biden, Kamala Harris and Pelosi, all these fools, all these people that couldn't wipe their own butt if you gave them directions, uh, being in charge and people acting like, well, if we just, yeah, you know, RFK, we just get him in there or, uh, 
you know, Trump, Trump, Trump. I mean, uh, God, if, if Trump doesn't get to run, I mean, I see civil war in the streets and it's all this big setup. I didn't mean to lead you into the political spectrum, but it's just unbelievable to me how inept <laughs> the, the hierarchy looks at this point. Uh, like, I don't think it's it's accident that we have a, a president that's pooping in his own pants and a, and a vice president that can't speak at all <laughs> agreed uh, agreed and i'm 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 happy you took us into the political realm because i think the speech is super relevant there you know i've taken to i like to troll new mexico leaders on i mean i don't like to but i feel like it's my duty to troll them on twitter x whatever we call it and i and i have no allegiance to either side and all i'm doing is pointing out where they're using language to divide Right. So I'll get on the Dems in the same way I'll get on the Republicans, which is like, can you not just talk about your vision and the action steps necessary to achieve your vision without scapegoating the other side and sowing more division? Right. You know, that that in and of itself, it's like here we have this great idea. But, you know, the Republicans won't let us. It's like, why did you need to do that and further divide the people? And the more that I observe the, um, you know, the, the really ghetto vibe discourse happening on, you know, at least on Twitter and in social media, it's like it becomes more and more clear that they're the same. Both sides are exactly the same. And all they're trying to do is to continue to sustain and widen the division. They don't want solutions. Um, they're not using language in a way that would unify us, that would inspire us, that would move us forward. Everything is just to keep us stuck in the status quo. And it, it's an interesting thought experiment to just look at what the politicians are saying and notice how often some sort of, um, partisan insult is going to be tossed into the conversation, which if the conversation had any value is going to be immediately discounted as soon as they do this partisan shaming thing that they do. Yes. Yes. I, I love watching social experiment live television or uh, real life uh, TV, if you believe in that, but like survivor or the challenge or uh, even the real world. And I like watching these social experiments play out, but you, you definitely discover that humans are very tribal and the way that we end up, we will, we will stick to those tribes, whether it's killing us or not. It's amazing to me to watch how, uh, just, yeah, tribal we are. So in that Republican de democratic, you know, it's this tribe versus that tribe. And then this tribe and we're all tribes and, uh can't seem to to get along in a in a pure anarchy which i see it like rainbow gatherings and such where you, uh, all kinds of tribes come together and everybody's taking care of one another i mean i've seen the vision i've seen life as it could be um using a rainbow gathering as an example i mean it's not sustainable but it shows you that this is possible that humans actually are kind, loving, caring, generous creatures that want to get along, but it is the very art of language that is separating and dividing everybody. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I don't know how impossible that rainbow gathering utopia utopia is minus the limited constructs of our mind, you know, um, I've seen it at Burning Man and I, I've, you know, I haven't been in a bajillion years, but I think that the beauty of the gift economy changes our perspective where we're looking to give, you know, who can I give to, who can I serve? Yeah. Um, because that's the ethos. And I think that that's a big part of what made Burning Man, you know, back before they had a, a high, an imposed hierarchy from the tech nonsense. But I think that's what made it so magical was that shift from instead of what can I get, what can I give? And I think the problem is it's like a, a it's a total snow job. You know, it's like telling a child, well, you can choose between, you know, green and purple. And in my perspective, at this stage of the game, 
the correct answer is like, why do I have to stay in that construct? You know, what about infinite possibility? And I think people are given these, these lies, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, you know, black, white, gay, straight. Um, and that entrains the mind and the subconscious mind to really narrow itself and to, to think and act and believe in binaries. But that's a cultural imposition. I don't think that's natural. Um, I think there's another option. But for me personally, obviously, with the work that I do in the world, the solution is changing the language, given that language is programming our minds, our perceptions, our meaning making mechanisms, and then everything that, that we create that constitutes the world as we know it. So how do we protect our linguistic territory? Do you have advice for people that are dealing with this? I do. Um, I, I hold a hard line, a hard line on this, and I, I take a lot of my inspiration from Jordan Peterson, which is do not cede the linguistic territory under any costs. So I won't play the they them game. And that's not out of being disrespectful or unkind, it's about protecting the linguistic territory at all costs. Um, so it's not kowtowing to language policing on any level um, and not playing the pronoun game and not, it's like realizing and, and getting the visual image of it as a, a war of language and understanding that the territory is tyranny or freedom. So if you're not safeguarding freedom, if you're not standing for freedom, um, then we're giving territory away to tyranny. So every time someone, you know, drops a, a, a him, her in their Zoom profile so that they can go along with groupthink on a meeting, they've just ceded the linguistic territory and given more territory to tyranny. Right. And this is not improving society at all not on any level. And it's like having the courage to stand in the righteousness of this. And, and it's, you know, pe people say to me, like, why do you have to make a big deal out of this? And it's like, I don't, and I don't want to, it's uncomfortable. It creates, you know, dissonance in my heart when I push back, I don't want to do that. But it's realizing that this is a war of words. And uh, we cannot give any more leeway to this cultural infection, it's gone far enough. And I personally don't want to experience a society in which it goes any further. I agree. It is. It feels like you've got to uh, kowtow to a mental disorder. And I, I'm the same way on so many levels as we've talked. I mean, I, I also don't bring my phone with me. And I think they're waiting for this last generation of us that uh, didn't have a cell phone until recently. Uh, you know, we grew up where you left the phone at home. You know what I mean? It's just I, I don't I have no problems whatsoever leaving my phone at home. But so I'm in the same boat that you were in. I, went, I flew to Punta Cana and uh, no problems, didn't need my phone. But then as I was trying to leave, they wanted testing. You know, they wanted their <gasps> PCRs and. Uh, I didn't do that either, but then all of that was on the phone. So then I could, I had to wait in one line to give my passport, which took like an hour. And then right. when I was done with that, showing them who I was and where I was going and all of that good stuff, they were like, okay, now you got to go back in this other line and wait to show them your QR code, uh, uh getting your PCR test. So then, you know, this whole other line you got to wait through and I'm sitting there sweating the whole time. Like I don't have a phone. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a QR code. I don't know. I, and, and I actually had to get my friend that was with me uh, to do it for me uh, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I would have been stuck in Putacana because I didn't have a damn smartphone, right? Was that stressful for you? Were you freaking out? A little bit. I had a feeling that we would get it worked out, but I also felt sovereign, like, you know, like you were saying, you know, this is not a requirement of my existence that I have a smartphone. So how can you sit here and deny me, you know? So I was going up there with somewhat boldness of uh, challenging them on this if I had to. 
Yeah, I think what you said about they're waiting for us to die is really key because there are fewer and fewer people who know what it's like to not live in digital enslavement world. You know, so when I, I also see protecting the territory in terms of analog and not going to a fully automated future. Like I, again, like I'm that squeaky wheel and it's not because I get off on being the squeaky wheel. It's because I understand how high the stakes are. Yeah. And there needs to be some pushback, you know, and it's my preference for more people to push back. So not just so I'm not the only one, but we could shut this down so easily. But when I go to restaurants now and they just want to hand me a little mini computer to pay and I say, no, I'd like a printed check and some privacy, please. You know, I'm noticing waiters who have no idea what I'm talking about or why I would even have an issue because they're so young they don't get it, you know, and I see the same thing happening with the weaponization of customer service where, you know, you ask for a supervisor these days, the supervisors like 20, they don't know what customer service is. They were not brought up in a world where we were treated well by the companies who we keep in business. So I do think that they're hedging their bets and trying to drag this out until we're not here anymore and there's no one left on the planet to push back. Yeah, no one even remembers what freedom is. Right. You can see that already. Right. And that's why I'm like, you know, it's been such an, you know, obviously these past three and a half years have been crazy for everyone, but it was a learning curve in terms of letting go of my expectations that all my friends were going to stand up the way I'm standing up. And so, you know, there was a phase of it of offering more leeway of like, well, everyone has a different role to play. And if some people want to be under the radar with their choices, like I'm going to hold space for that. But I've come back around where I'm like, no, no one, we can no longer just get along because we want to be liked and we don't want it to be a problem. Like it's gone too far. And as far as how how far against the wall we've been backed, like there's not I can't back up much more before I'm in a gulag. So I don't have that tolerance that I had, you know, even only six months ago for, you know, my friends who know better playing the pronoun game or playing the inclusivity game or going along with the digital enslavement. It's like, no, we stand up now or it's game over for freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're watching where the villains are being celebrated and the victims are being jailed. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I mean, this the whole craziness of watching the Ukraine nonsense. Oh, my right? God. The Nazi in Parliament. Did you hear well, about that? I, yes. And it's like. <laughs> So they that... arrest the guy. They arrest the guy that that uh, unveiled the fact that he was a Nazi SS Waffen officer that had run death camps, uh, independent journalist, uh, just digging into this and goes, wait a minute, that, you know, who fought the Russians? Wait, that was the Nazis. And oh, yeah, this guy's an SS officer. And then the guy who reports to, to Parliament, hey, you guys were celebrating a Nazi. They come and arrest him. And, and... what were the charges? They they let him go again. Did uh, you did you hear um, Trudeau Castro's apology for that? No, it, yes, I mean no, I heard some of it, but I don't recall. I guess. Oh my god, the apology was amazing because he apologized like step one, and I feel like with the, all these asshole, you know, elected, you know, faux elected leaders, like they're their balls in terms of not even apologizing or knowing when to pretend to put forth any contrition. So his apology was like, we'd like to apologize to the Jewish people and the LGBTQ people and the two spirit people. And then he just goes off on this woke list that was like, are you kidding right now? <laughs> like you can't even pretend like go through the motions of handling this in the quote unquote right way. I mean, regardless of whatever the conspiracies are around the Holocaust, and I'm sure there are plenty, um, like we study this in my propaganda class, like the campaign to demonize Jews can't be denied. Yes, plenty of other people were taken out and, and that's not okay. But for him to fold all that bullshit 
into his quote unquote apology was it's just like read the room dude <laughs> yeah they they were oh we, we had no idea you know there's a uh, 380 of them in there and not one person knew who fought the russians in world war ii right, <laughs> oh, right. God, no. but yeah i mean it, we are living in a world that's flipped on its head folks and uh the language of betterarchy i think is where you really need to start thinking uh, i mean folks this is dead ass uh <laughs> i appreciate uh, that i mean the language of betterarchy has actual tools that will get us out of this and that's you know, that was my intention in writing the book was like, okay, we all know there's a problem. So I don't want to put out more words about the problem. It's like, what can we do to heal the problem? Um, and so, you know, my highest hopes and visions for the language of betterarchy is for people to start implementing these tools and making the changes in our everyday speech patterns. And then from there, just allowing those frequencies to do their work in terms of reality creation, which is how reality right. creation works. And then we don't have to sit here and figure out like, well, how are we going to overhaul, you know, like 50 different systems at the same time? It seems too much. It seems too overwhelming. I'm going to tap out Netflix and chill and just put pronouns in my signature so I can, you know, get along. Um, this gives us like a tangible tool that's like, we don't have to reinvent all of those wheels. We just go to the meta structure we change the meta structure and then everything else that is being influenced by the meta structure will reflect those same changes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are like a program. We are a computer and, and it, bad in bad out. And, and it does rewrite our entire script. If you start using the proper language and knowing words in general, uh, give you more ways to express yourself and more ways therefore to, to relate with reality. If you really have all of this in there. So uh, dumbed down has become almost a, a badge of honor at this point, and we really need to fix this, guys. So dannycats.com, that's with a Z, Danny Katz with an I. <laughs> dannycats.com is the website. Of course, the link's right here for all of you to get to this. Uh, is that where uh, they'll also find the language of betterarchy? Yes, they can click through dannycats.com and they can grab it in print, in electronic. The audiobook just came out two days ago. So all the options are available and ready to dazzle you. Fantastic. And is there anything else you'd like to uh, promote for uh, social contacts? Um, I mean, people can follow me on Instagram. They can subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, which is words, the letter R matter. They can, they can find everything through dannycats.com. Mostly, I just want to encourage everyone, if you know better, please start using your voice. Please, you know, protect the linguistic territory, protect analog freedom. We don't have to be dicks about it, but it, it is time for those of us who know better to do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is this is our challenge, folks. And as, as Danny said, ain't nobody coming to save us. And that's the truth. I've looked this puzzle up and down and we're, we've continued and constantly discussed this. I mean, we have been going at this for decades now. And uh, I believe it does start there at the language, at the words that you have at your power and how that forms reality. There's no way you can discredit that. It, it is the truth. So uh, having tools like this to be able to start and find your path back, that's that's key ingredient right there. So I hope you guys will go over to dannycats.com and check it out. Grab the book. And uh, Danny, I always got to give love to Steve, Steve Mercer, the associate producer here, uh, keeping the ball rolling, keeping things going and to let you guys know he's got me scheduled with uh, Dr. Michael Sala during the emergency broadcast system test. So we're going to do that live. We're doing it live. We're going to record uh, that that incident um, as it's happening. So that should be intriguing. So that, uh, that'll be recorded October 4th when uh, the frequencies come in. And, you know, we're talking about the frequency of language here. And that really is another frequency that really alters and shapes everything about it. Uh, uh, a community, a, a person, and entire nations and the world. So don't underestimate the use of language in this war. That is really where it all begins. The rest is the result. So thank you all. Word. 
Aho. And I also want to give a little love to Steve. Thanks so much for all his great, amazing work. Absolutely. He, he is the man with plan, Thor at the door, keeping it rolling. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you guys can always contact me, Freeman at FreemanTV.com and come over to my Twitter. Check it out. I mean, I, I still haven't ever typed in X.com. <laughs> I still just hit the T in the URL and it comes up Twitter. Uh, but hey, my X feed is really I'm trying to feed you guys the, the data that I see and the data that I think is important. So you won't see me come up in your feed. I'm shadow banned on every, uh, you know, left, right and every way. So you have to actually have to go to x.com slash freeman tv to get it but there's a lot of stuff on there that i constantly will bring up and it also comes up in the show and topics that we discuss so uh, i hope i can get a few of you over there to my twitter feed to check it out because i feel like all i'm doing now is feeding the algorithm my data so that they can know what i like to think about and i'm not getting it to you so it's it's kind of important to me but it's my only social network left i mean that's all the only one i got left so i'm banned everywhere else so i hope you will come over there and I hope you'll come over to freemantv.com and share this with others. Let them know this show is still out there. Ever since I got banned from YouTube, I mean, it's like I vanished or something. I'm like, man, I've had freemantv.com longer than I was on YouTube. Uh, but for some reason, it's difficult for people to type in the URL. Uh, but So please let people know, you know, FreeZone is on every podcast player out there from Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Android, iTunes, all of them. You know, it's it's there. Just type it in FreeZone with Freeman Fly and you will find it on all your players. So please uh, let people know that this show's going on because uh, with all the shadow banning, all the all the things that have been going on, uh, I have been back down into a little hole and I want people to recognize that this show's still here, still going. And that's up to you guys. I, 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 I mean, I'm just putting it in your hands. So I hope that you will. So thank you all so much. We're going to take this on into the member section where we could even be more free in our language. Uh, I feel like in there we could say the things that we can't say out here because, well, legal, legally, uh, people are paying for the information. So therefore, it's a different setup. So anyway, uh, that's why the member section is there to be free to say what we want to say and also to help keep this show going keep the word getting out and really trying to find these solutions out of partisan politics and all the crazy stuff that's going on i mean as i'll just say it again guys this is dead ass all right <laughs> i just love that new phrase <laughs> i just recently learned it you know and i'm like what does it mean what dead ass i don't i don't get it like dead ass serious oh okay we can't just say serious no all right all right yeah yeah but no it is it's serious it's like that so thank you all guys and we will see you next week mm -hmm.